Alex, if someone had said to you at the start of the year that you'd end up in the Wimbledon first round taking a set off Tsitsipas, taking a set off Ogier Aliassime in the first round of the US Open, winning your first tour-level match, breaking into the top 200 and being called up for the Davis Cup, would you have accepted that? I would have accepted it, but I did not expect it, yeah. <laughs> so what's made the difference? Um, just, you know, a lot of a lot of work, and I, I really uh, have a good team behind me now. I struggled finding good people to work with, and uh, now I've, I've found the right people, and, and, and it's, uh, it's working for me. The main person is your dad. Obviously, he's been with you all the way through. I mean, you have a tennis background, both with your dad, who played for Switzerland, and your uncle, who was the tournament director of the top-level women's tournament in Zurich. Exactly. Yeah. My uh, dad played professionally for a little bit. I'm not sure what his ranking was. I think he got to like 400 or something. And then, yeah, his brother, um, my uncle, he, uh, he, yeah, he ran the women's tournament in Zurich for a time. And how much did that rub off on you? I guess a lot. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm playing tennis. I'm trying to uh, achieve my dreams and my goals. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I kind of grew up. I grew up with tennis, so to speak. Yeah. There is a remarkable part of your career, and that is the fact that you very nearly lost your arm at one stage. When did you first become aware of those problems? It was a very strange situation. I was in the gym, I was working out, and then I felt a, kind of a, a sting in my shoulder, and I was like, maybe I pulled a muscle. And then it turned out to be this huge deal where my artery clogged up and no more blood flowed to my arm. It was just a big, crazy crazy couple months there um yeah I, I wasn't sure if I was gonna play definitely unsure um because I have like a, a stent in my in the main artery uh, to kind of keep it open so that blood flows through and that um yeah I mean I, I couldn't train more than 90 minutes after the surgery so I wasn't you know uh, I was like I don't think I can go professionally training 90 at 90 minutes a day <laughs> how old were you when this happened I think I was 22 at the time. This was 2000, this was my second year, I think. No, my third year. Yeah. In, in Virginia? In Virginia, yeah. I think I was around 23, yeah, 22, 23. And you had one operation that didn't work, is that right? Uh, so I had a total of three. Um, once just to get the artery open. The second one to kind of remove the problem, which was the rib that was too tight. And then I, my lungs kind of just filled with blood and I had to pumped out the blood out and that was that yeah i know it's easy shorthand to say that the arm was nearly amputated but how close did you come to losing the arm um i mean i can only go by what they told me they said they they had to make the decision within the next five minutes and it was not opening and then i guess i, I got lucky and it opened and the blood started flowing again so so that was the operation where they put the stent in that was the operation, the first one, where they just made sure to kind of open up the artery so that uh, my arm could receive blood. How much were you aware of all this, or did you only find out afterwards? There were some signs early on. I, I couldn't stretch my right arm over my head properly, and my left arm was fine. And, and uh, that was a sign, but I, we never thought anything of it. But that was just the first rib pushing down on my arm. And so, yeah. So there were some signs we just didn't, we never thought it would be what it was. Did you ever have to make any decisions medically uh, with your tennis career in mind? Well, yeah. I mean, they they wanted me not to play tennis for the first year and a half, kind of, to just let the stent do its thing and kind of integrate it into my body. 
and that meant just not practicing more than an hour or 90 minutes and it's tough to get anywhere in life with 90 minutes so uh yeah it was it was a difficult time so how long did it take before you could practice decent amounts um i would say after about a year and a half i I went into the doctor and, and they said everything looks great it's been healing great and that i could do you know whatever I wanted to do, basically, and, and that's when I kind of started picking it up. I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but seven years on from that, you're playing Grand Slam main draw matches. Would you have looked back at that time and thought, no way? Yeah, no chance. I, I, I was thinking about quitting right after college because I was, like, telling my parents I can't, I can't do more than 90 minutes. This doesn't make sense. Um, but then I kind of stuck to it because I felt like I invested my whole life into this and it would be too too quick to just give up. So here, I, here we are. And is it as a result of just the hard work or did you have to do extra stuff because you had to make sure that the arm wouldn't go bad again? Um, at first I was just being careful, but as soon as they told me, like, everything's fine, you can, you can do your things, then I just, yeah, I just went to town, basically. And how long was it before they said you just go to town yeah about um, a year and a half they, they said okay now it looks good and you you should be normal you're talking very casually about this i mean i find it inspirational that you've come through this does that ever occur to you yeah it's it was so strange it was just such a strange thing that happened to me and and it was so dreadful but i just kind of look back at it and and yeah, kind of forget about it, I guess. I don't know. It's it's strange. It's just very... I try not to think about it too much. I, I, I don't like talking about it too much either because I don't want to seem like it's, you know, you know, like that's the reason why I'm not playing good or something like that. But, um, it, yeah, I mean, it happened. It's over. And now I'm moving forward. In the early days when you played on the lower reaches of the tour you had USA after your name for a couple of years were you thinking of being American I know you have the dual citizenship because of your mother but uh, what, what was the thinking there and how did you end up in the Swiss Davis Cup team um so I, I grew up in Switzerland I, I started off completely Swiss my mom's American um so I have both passports like you said uh I just had a very close relationship with my my team and the coaches at, at Virginia and our head coach became the head of USTA at the at my last year. And he kind of just convinced me to come down there and, and train and switch. And it would be a great experience. And and for what it was, it, was, it wasn't bad at all. I, I enjoyed the time I spent there. But um, it just meant being away from my family and because my parents live in Switzerland. And, and a lot of friends of mine also live in Switzerland. So I just, yeah, I just felt kind of far away from home and that's when I decided it's probably best I go back and go home and when you got the call up to the Swiss Davis Cup team earlier this year did that mean something to you emotionally as well as in tennis terms yeah I mean it's a very special moment I mean not everyone can say they they play Davis Cup or were part of the team Um, it's always an honor to represent your your country Um, for me it was it was a great experience. My, my first time was a great experience. I had a lot of fun watching. I didn't get to play. Um, we have a lot of good players in Switzerland currently. and um, But, yeah, no, I enjoyed every minute of it. 
Is there something frightening about being the next generation after Federer and Vavrinka? I don't think I'm the next generation of Federer and Vavrinka. I'm a little older. Um, but we have a couple young, young guys um, in Switzerland that are playing really, really well. Um, Dominic Stricker being one of them, Ria D being one of them. Um, and there's another kid, Jerome Kim. He's pretty good too. And they're, I think they're playing great and, and they're kind of the ones that need to pick up the mantle, you know? <laughs> You're 28. People tend to peak around 25, 32 these days. And we've seen from the top players, they can go on well into their 30s. What is still for you? I mean, I feel great. As long as I feel good and I think I can compete at the highest level, I'll keep going. Um, I feel very, very fit. Um, so as long as the body keeps up and as long as I'm playing at a, at a decent level, I'll definitely keep playing. So does taking a set off Tsitsipas and Ogier Eliassime at Grand Slam tournaments, does that give you the belief that, OK, rankings are based on consistency, but that you can be top 50, top 40, top 30 even? Yeah, I mean, why not, you know? Um, not just those results. I've always, I always felt like I had great shots that were worthy of top 100 and, um, you know, and a family that kind of also believed that as well. Um, uh, so, yeah, I definitely do think that I can, I can push to that level, yeah. What do you need to improve in your game? Um, you know, there's a lot of things uh, from tennis to fitness to mental. There's, it's, tennis is complicated. There's a lot going on. Um, so just everywhere a little bit, yeah. Having very nearly missed out on your professional career, what is the best thing about being a touring tennis professional? That's a good question. Um, I actually really enjoy watching other players compete. Um, I think that's pretty cool, um, especially when there's like really close matches or like tie breaks or something, and and you know people pull out some great shots. It's always fun to watch. Um, I would say, you know, kind of seeing these big Grand Slam events and and ATP events for the first time is is a very cool experience. It's very different to the lower level tournaments. Um, yeah, I'd say those are the biggest differences. Do you get starstruck in the locker rooms when you're rubbing shoulders with the top ten players? Um, I used to, but um, not as much anymore. I mean, it's it's you know okay, yeah. When a doll walks down, you kind of stop and stare for a little bit. But um, other than that, they you know they're all just people doing their thing, and they're very good at what they do. And um, I've had some great conversations with some people in there, and yeah, no. And if in 50 years' time you're boring your grandchildren with your years on the tennis tour, what do you think you'll be telling them? Hopefully that I had a great tennis career, a great time, and um, that I hope they pick it up as well, yeah, because it's a, it's a great life, uh, life school and you meet a lot of great people and, and it's a great experience.